0: Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising As One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also, go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage. So you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show.
1: Good afternoon everybody, this is Aaron Blau with Firebird Soccer and the Rising as One podcast. Tonight, today we have a, a bit of a Firebird Soccer.net takeover of the Rising as One podcast as Dominic Kearns is currently away, but with us is, as always, is co-host Kyle Mackey, as well as uh, Firebird Soccer writer Mark Murray. So welcome guys, how you guys doing? I, I'm
2: doing great, yeah. I mean, great great to have you here, Mark. I'm happy you could fill in for uh, a Dominic, and I mean, I'm still, personally, I'm still buzzing from the, the two matches this week, you know? I mean, you got to see two great matches at home, you know, and uh, both clean sheets, so I'm doing great.
3: Oh, yeah, feeling good, and uh, thanks for having me on. It, it, it was a great week, not just for, you know, uh, Phoenix Rising, but we also covered GCU and ASU, and clean sheet across the board for all uh, four teams in the Valley this week. So great week for soccer and uh, good week overall for teams Rising.
1: And a big shout out to Mark, uh, who did cover that great GCU game on uh, Friday night. Uh, Grand Canyon University opened a play against the national, nationally ranked Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, Mark, tell us a little bit about that experience real quick.
3: Oh yeah, it was uh it was actually my first time at a GCU soccer game, um, but uh, I'm sure you guys have seen there was 6,600 people there, uh, huge uh, section of GCU students um, who had just come back to school, and so it was great atmosphere, great game. Uh, GCU really uh, came together quickly. They have 17 new players on the team this year, and so uh, but they all gelled pretty well in the first game, and. Uh, I mean, great result for the team, and uh, they have a couple more pretty tough opponents coming up in the next month or so, so uh, exciting times there.
1: GCU was able to pick up that victory 2-1 over the Wisconsin Badgers, and uh, one of the really great things uh, for local soccer, because Firebird Soccer is all about supporting local soccer, is that all of the games, I believe, uh, they have a contract with Cox Your View that you can watch the games on Channel 4 or 1004, depending on uh, what you have going on. So hey, if you have a chance, uh, check out the Firebird Soccer events calendar. We have all the GCU games, both the men's and the women's games, as well as the AS women's games and pretty soon yes we're going to have even though I'm a big uh, as you can tell I'm a big Sun Devil fan up here uh, we will have the U of A women's uh, games on there as well. So moving off of our collegiate soccer uh, let's go ahead and kind of dive into Wednesday's match against San Antonio. Uh, Phoenix marched out uh, a little bit of a different lineup. We saw Zach Lubin, Dia, Mala, Blackman, Abdul Salam, Musa, Lambert, Vega, Forbes, Cortez, and Asante in the starting 11. Did you guys have any, uh, any thoughts on what that starting 11 looked like?
2: I mean, I, I personally really liked it. I thought it was a really strong lineup. And uh, for me, I was really happy to see both Devin Vega and Billy Forbes get the starts against their former club. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that that lineup for me right now is probably one of the stronger lineups that we have, especially, you know, considering Greedy's out for the season. We have yet to see Drogba in a while. So um, I really, really liked what I saw from that from that unit. What do you think, Mark?
3: Yeah, I loved seeing Vega get that start again. He did really well against Las Vegas. And, you know, he's been waiting a while to get his shot in uh it's good to see him perform well again, especially against his former team. I love seeing Blackman out there. Um, a lot of times you see guys going alone and kind of get stashed on the bench. And so to see Abdul Salam and Blackman uh, get playing time this early in their loan, it's great to see and uh, glad we're taking advantage of it.
1: And I do believe that that was, uh, that was Vega's third start in four games. Uh, after really spending a lot of time developing on the bench uh, and in training sessions. So it looks like that work was really paying off. Um, so very quickly, uh, the 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 team uh, scores in the 18th minute uh, on a Chris Cortez goal, assisted by Kevon Lambert. Kyle, what did you see on that?
2: I mean, I, personally, for me, what I love to see there is is Kevon Lambert getting into the box and driving to the end line, and then he's just able to cut the ball back for Cortez, who's waiting, waiting right at the top of the box, and you know, just a redirection goal right into the back of the net. And I mean, this to get this early goal, I mean, it was huge. I think we all saw that once once we got that early goal, the pressure was off Phoenix, and I mean, the floodgates seemed to open for us. And I mean, it was it was just the best start. Um, I thought up until that point, San Antonio had two really good chances. The shots just went uh, high and wide over the the goal. But, I mean, it was a tight match up until that point. So, to be able to get that goal, I think that really put things in Phoenix's favor.
1: What about you, Mark?
3: Oh, I agree. And I love seeing uh, the pass to Lambert was from Abdul Salam. Uh, he, He kind of bypassed two lines of San Antonio defense to get that ball to Lambert. And it's great to see uh, the outside back. You know, Dia's been doing it all year, but to see some um, offensive production and uh, just attack from the right side of that defense um, it was great to see. And it is a beautiful pass and probably not one that will get a lot of recognition, but it really it was key to the goal.
1: And to, to add just a tiny little bit of insult to injury, which there was quite a lot of salt being thrown around on the, uh, at this game, it was a nutmeg pass that Lambert had at the end line, went right, right uh, between the defender's legs, uh, ended up at the feet of Chris Cortez, continuing the theme of put the ball at Cortez's feet and good things will happen. Uh, as we're all still reeling and recovering from uh, from cheering and drying off from beer being thrown on us by the banditos, uh, we do have a, a goal that happens just a few minutes later. Uh, Solomon Asante capitalizing on a Diego Restrepo mistake uh, as he was far off his line. Kyle, take us through that a little bit. I
2: I. <laughs> I kind of just caught the end of it there. I had to go back and watch the replay, actually. I was with Dominic in the supporter section, and like you said, we were still celebrating that Cortez goal. And when you look at the replay, it looks like Restrepo just plays a bad pass, and Asante is just – I mean, he just uses his speed, collects the ball, is able to just cut to the right real quick. And as we all know, no one's going to beat Asante when he cuts to the right. And then he just slots home a pass. I think it's about 25 yards out. Into the back of the open net, and I mean that, I all I saw was Asante collect the ball and make that pass, and I mean we all knew it was going to be a goal then. And so to be up two nil so quickly, as you said, throwing some salt in the wound of Restrepo. I mean, that just got the entire supporter section rocking, and I, I really feel like at that point that uh, I saw Phoenix was going to get a good result out of this match.
1: Absolutely. What about you, Mark? Any comments?
3: Yeah, props to Asante for uh, pressuring Restrepo. You know, it, it'd be easy in that situation to probably drop off and just uh, reset. Like, he really he got into Restrepo's mind, it seemed, and cut off that pass and uh, take the ball. And, you know, props to Phoenix. I thought, you know, this Wednesday game after a Saturday match would be kind of a lull. Uh, it'd take them a while to really get into the match, but I mean, they've had to put it on the pedal from minute one.
1: So from there we head um, we head out to uh, the 34th minute, uh, where our hero Solo, uh, the captain, um, falls victim to a a rough 50-50 challenge, pulls out of the game, and in comes Jason Johnson. Um, did you guys feel like there was any layoff as Johnson Johnson came into the game?
2: No, I mean, it, it maybe took Johnson a couple minutes to get into the match. And I mean, when you're replacing a player like Solomon Asante, you're, you're going to see a bit of a difference, you know, because Asante brings so much energy. But J.J. is also a high energy player. Um, and I really thought that he worked himself well into the, that first half. And I mean, I knew that coming out at halftime after he'd already had, you know, 10, 15 minutes to get himself warmed up that he was uh, he was going to bring it. And he sure did in the second half.
3: Yeah, and it seemed like like, uh, Vega kind of took over the playmaking abilities uh, once Asante left, which is great to see um, because, you know, Johnson is a different player than Asante. And so just to have all those options uh, on the field for Phoenix at once is really a luxury, and uh, it's great that we can kind of shift even when our top player goes out.
1: So off to the 40th minute. uh, We have a really exciting... uh, uh... Cross that comes in at the feet of Devin Vega. Diego Restrepo uh, seems to have recovered from his uh, prior error and makes two just really, really great saves at point blank range against Vega, but that's not really what I want to talk about. Uh, it, just a few minutes later, after dealing with the frustration of being blocked point blank twice in a row, uh, Devin Vega. Uh, ends up with a a second scoring chance off of an assist uh, from Jason Johnson, plays the ball in, and gets his goal against his former team. Tell us a little bit about what you saw, Kyle. I I mean, it
2: it was just a great little touch by Vega. He was able to get that ball to volley up into the air. And then, I mean, he connected with it so sweet, laces straight through it and I mean, Rustrepo tried to reach and get that ball, but I don't think there was any way he was going to stop it, and I mean, for Vega, just to have the the composure and the confidence in that situation, he'd already had, you know, like you said, two blocked opportunities right before that, and it would have been easy for a player to, you know, take their eye off the ball in that situation or uh, not be able to connect with it like he did, but I mean, he just hit it so sweet, and to be able to score against your former club I know he didn't celebrate but uh, I'm sure it felt great for him and to put us up three nil going into half I mean that was that was huge for us I think we all saw at that point that three points were pretty much in the bag
3: yeah it was a great great end to the half and I, I wanted to highlight uh, Tristan Blackman is the one who starts uh, this goal with uh, he had possession in midfield uh and just pass a a sweet, look like 40-yard cross uh, to the other side of the field to Jason Johnson to get that goal started. And it's just one of those things that you have guys that can pass all over the field like that. It it just makes the attack so much easier uh, to open up for other guys.
1: So off we head in the second half. Um, We see uh, uh, Joey Farrell come on in the 54th minute uh, as Saad Abdul Salam comes out. I will say uh, a shout out to uh, jo- uh, to Joey. Uh, I did meet his parents at the game. Really, really nice folks. Uh, super kind. Great to see them come out from, uh, I believe it was Philadelphia that they were coming and visiting, and they were able to catch both the Wednesday and the Saturday game. Um, and the Saturday game, we're, we'll talk about uh, Joey's uh, performance uh, a, little, a little bit later. In the 59th minute, uh, we have a uh, a blow to Phoenix Rising. Although they're up three nothing, things are going pretty smoothly. Uh, earlier in the match, Luigi Mala ends up with his sixth yellow card of the year, and then in the 59th minute, picks up a second yellow card to be tossed from the match. I was up in the. Um, uh, I was up in the sweet seats up at the top uh, taking some photos when it happened. So I didn't see uh, exactly what happened on that. Uh, Mark, can you tell us a little bit about that? Or uh, did you did you see that second yellow?
3: Yeah, he Mala just seemed to get caught in space. Uh, San Antonio had... Uh, Phoenix had turned the ball over. San Antonio was starting their counterattack. And Mala was just trying to uh, slow it down. And it's one of those calls where... You know, if he's not on a yellow card, he might get a yellow card, or might not even have a card produced. It might just be a foul. But when you're sitting on the yellow like that, um, any play that kind of impedes a counterattack will get you. Uh, will most likely get you sent off.
1: What about you, yeah. Kyle? Was that was that soft or, or was it a uh, a proper call?
2: Well, I mean, going back to what Mark said, I think it is the fact that he's already on a yellow. Um, There's no doubt that 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 was what we'd call a professional foul. You know, he's he's getting caught out on the counterattack. It's kind of, he has to either make the foul there or give up what could have been a great opportunity for San Antonio to have on goal. So unfortunately, you know, he takes the foul. And I think, I don't know if it was necessarily soft, I say, but I do know that Mala's reaction as he got up and to the yellow card, seeing the red card yellow go to red, I think that that confirmed it in the ref's mind that, you know, okay, he's out of control. He needs to, he needs to go. So, unfortunately, you know, yeah, um, Mala ended up missing the rest of that match and the match last night. But, uh, luckily we can look back now and say it didn't hurt us. So it's not something I think we can be too upset with. Yeah. But, um, I I mean, I think a player of Mala's tenacity, I think that a lot of times he will see a yellow card for those kinds of fouls just because he's such a, you know, rough player.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to see if I can get this to work here. I'm going to try and play a a little comment from Coach uh, Chance on that. So I like that comment uh, there. He's going to get a little extra fitness. He's going to be running some laps. It, it sounds like uh, after that after that card um, certainly didn't slow down uh, the Phoenix offense uh, as uh, Billy Forbes then in the 64th minute matches his former teammate Billy Vega or uh, um, uh, Devin Vega and is able to slot a really solid goal um, in the. Uh, past uh Diego Restrepo for goal number four Kyle take us through that a little
2: I mean just a beautiful goal by Billy Forbes um and I think I think we all saw that I mean not only the pressure on the team even though we were down a man and up three goals to get the fourth I think that really you know solidified it for us and we knew that we could just grind out a victory but for Billy Forbes to score he's had such a tough season this year and um I know that this week, even, he had a tough week with his aunt passing, so we want to say, you know, uh, respect to you, and hopefully uh, she's in a better place. But, I mean, for him to be able to score against his old team and just to be able to score a beautiful goal like he did, I mean, it's just huge. And I hope that this is the start of great things for Billy, and we see see more of this going forward because he had a great match against San Antonio.
3: Agreed. It was it was a beautiful shot, beautiful combination with uh, Johnson just getting into uh, finding that open space. Um, and a sweet shot. You know, Restrepo looked to get a hand on it and probably might have been able to do better, but you know, a shot with that power, uh, really, there was no stopping. It was just impressive to see Phoenix continue to push, even going down to 10 men. Um, for for those 30 minutes after the red card it, Uh, and so it was just impressive to see from the team overall.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, So... At the uh, let's see, at the seventy-fourth minute, we see Schafferer come in, sub sub out Billy Forbes, kind of give him a little curtain call after his after his goal, and uh, pretty much the game was o- I mean the game was over for the most part at the half. Uh, San Antonio had been uh, relatively decimated by uh, by the high scoring offense. The back line was playing really really amazing. Uh, I want to go th- go and ask you what your guys's number one takeaways from the game are. Uh, I'll go ahead and give you mine. And you know we have two former San Antonio players here that got to score in the game, but really the true star uh, was Jason Johnson, who played very pivotal uh, pivotal roles in two of those uh, in two of the four goals. Uh, played very very well. We're used to seeing him hold onto the ball, maybe hold onto the ball for a little too long. Here. Uh, he was willing to give up the ball, make some good passes, and ends doesn't end with a goal, but ends with two assists against also his former team. So all three former San Antonio players end up with pivotal roles in this
0: match.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, it was just, it was the start. It was how we, we started the game hot. We were out there on the front foot. We weren't going to sit back. And, I mean, we, we tend to sit back on the road, but at home against such a, you know, difficult opponent to break down, especially in years past. The San Antonio defense has been so tough um, to be able to get that early start and the early goals. I mean, for me, I th- think usually we would see Phoenix maybe score that first one and then yeah, get the second one and grind out the half at two nil. But to finish the half with that third goal by Vega, I think that really, really set us in a great position. And I mean, when we came out in the second half, we knew. We just had to continue doing what we were doing, tire out San Antonio and um, not do anything too crazy, and we could, you know, get three points. And ultimately, we ended up going down a man, but it didn't end up hurting us like we thought it would, So, and we still got another goal. So, I mean, all around, I think it was just a great start, great approach to the match by uh, Coach Shantz. I really, really like the lineup he put out there against a, a tough San Antonio team to break down. And I just think we capitalize on our opportunities. Um, we had more shots inside the box. We're not, you know, taking shots from 25, 30 yards out anymore. It seems like we're trying to, uh, to make those opportunities count. So I think it's, it's something that they need to continue. Excellent. I agree.
3: Uh, I, I was worried coming into this match of, you know, the Wednesday start, the, uh, the atmosphere at the stadium wasn't quite what it usually is for, for a match. And so just to, uh, like Kyle said, start quickly, get that goal, get the second goal, and just you know, show San Antonio, hey, we're not going to uh, allow you to stay in this game. And then uh, I'm also i I'm also continually impressed by a team of just their ability to take care of business, especially uh, so against teams you know lower than fourth. Um, we struggle against some of those teams higher in the standings, but all the other teams we've just continually taken care of business against. And, have left no doubt of uh, where we stand in West.
1: Excellent. So uh, good final thoughts on the uh, Phoenix Rising San Antonio game. I'll tell you, uh, if you have a chance to read the Red Black 90 uh, preview on that game, they did a, a, um, ask us some questions. They really felt that this was going to be a big rivalry match. Um, it seems like they have a real chip on their shoulders with the loss of uh, not only those th- uh, the three players we were talking about before, but also our VP of Marketing, uh, Sam Doerr, who's just doing a bang-up job uh, for, for Phoenix Rising with all of our local partnerships. And uh, hey, don't forget uh, to uh, get out there and get your free car wash from Jackson's Car Wash. Not an official sponsor of the Rising Pod, but anybody who was willing to wash my car for free, uh, they, they deserve a shout-out. All right, so off to uh, Saturday's game, of uh, Phoenix versus Colorado Springs. Oh, sorry, I forgot one thing. I do want to uh, pat myself on the back a little bit. My prediction, Kyle, if you remember, what did I predict? What was my final score? You called it. No, you called it. I call. I th- I called it four-one, but four-one, f- but four-four. Nothing's close enough. Dollar beer
2: night magic.
1: <laughs> dollar and beer I mean, night magic.
2: <laughs> honestly, I, it it could have been four-one because, like I said, San Antonio had opportunities early on. Yeah. So your prediction was not far off whatsoever. Um, I mean, uh, you you definitely saw something in the uh, the rising attack, and I mean, I think that we're all seeing now that it's it's definitely elevated itself these past couple matches. And while the defense, I mean, they've stepped up huge. And, I mean, goalkeeping as well. I mean, it, it hasn't mattered which goalie we've had in. We've been able to keep a clean sheet now. So uh, just great performance all around. But, yeah, good on you. You should have put some money down on it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So uh, now on to the second verse. It happens to be same as the first. Uh, so Phoenix versus Colorado Springs. Uh, here – with that, with the loss of Mala, um, who uh, due to the, the red card suspension, and I fear that he's probably not going to find himself in the starting lineup back in the starting lineup for quite a while, uh, we have Farrell uh, who gets the start uh, in in his place, um, with the rest of the back line uh, staying the same. Uh, Lubin Lubin is the keeper. Abdul Salam, Blackman, Dia, and again Farrell, like I mentioned. Here we see Musa again and Lambert playing in those uh, defensive midfielder roles. Uh, and we welcome back Gladson Owako into the starting lineup. Jason Johnson in the starting lineup, uh, maybe replacing that, that uh, Solomon Asante role. And uh, we have Kevon Frater, who starts the game against his former squad. And uh, uh, Shaft Brewer Jr. getting his first start. Uh, after his loan for Phoenix Rising. Uh, give me some thoughts on this this starting lineup, Kyle. I mean,
2: definitely a younger and a bit of a different lineup, but given the amount of matches we've been playing in the past week, um, it was not a surprise whatsoever. Uh, I was actually happy to see Shaft Brewer get the start. I thought he showed some good things in the end of the San Antonio match. Um, I mean, and, and I think everyone that started was – they deserved it the back line. I think that, you know, we knew that Mala wasn't going to get the start and, uh, but to see Joe Farrell get in there, I think he's been playing great lately. And, and um, I mean, I just think that this rotation is going to be great for the entire team coming down the stretch and especially getting into playoffs. Cause, uh, I mean, we're going to need everyone on, on the team sheet, not just the starting 11. So, to give them time now in these big matches and get big results, I think it's, uh, it's really going to benefit us.
3: For sure. I was slightly surprised to see uh, Vega not start again, even, even if he have played uh, three games in eight days. Um, and I, I was a little worried about Waco, but uh, he, he kind of shut me up uh, with his performance in this game.
1: Yeah, you, and, you you're not the only one. Uh I I believe that there is a uh a rather well-known supporter uh who who uh isn't on our podcast today who may have made some sort of comment uh, <laughs> uh that that we we may talk about a little bit later. So, uh we'll we'll check that out in a few minutes here. Um so to be honest with you, the first the the whole first half they had some great opportunities, we had some great opportunities. Um, we had some really solid solid keeping by Lubin. Uh, it really felt to me like this was a trap game. And, uh, and I, I think I mentioned that last week. Uh, felt like this was a trap game. We're coming off a high-emotion game, a Wednesday game, coming, coming and playing on short rest. Like a, all four of the backline players Did play in the prior game so who knows what fatigue was going to set in and that's all i could really think about for just about the first 60 minutes uh (laughs) uh, what about you guys what did you see kyle in those the the before we get into uh the high powered part of the game
2: i mean it was it was a tale of two halves i feel like almost yeah that first half i mean it was yeah just slow um i mean just Felt like, yeah, it felt like a Wednesday game almost, you know. It was just a yeah. slow kind of match. Took time for us to get into it. Each team had a few good opportunities, but nothing nothing insane, you know. I mean, Lubin did have one great save, and I think it was like the 35th minute. But, um, I mean, besides that, it was – especially for Phoenix, I think the crowd really was kind of anxious in that first half. We had a couple opportunities, but nothing, nothing huge. But, I mean – yeah, up until the 60th minute, it kind of seemed stagnant. It seemed like it was maybe heading to a stalemate, or even you know someone was going to squeak out a one 0 win there. But um, yeah, you know, I don't know if you want to get into it, but the match definitely uh, had a change once we saw Lubin get uh, get run into it a little bit.
1: Yeah, Mark, what'd you see in that in that run
3: up? Well, I agree with Kyle. It, it seemed like Saturday night's match. Should have been the performance we saw on Wednesday night. Uh, and I, I agree, it, it really looked like a trap game going into the match. And um, Colorado Springs started the game off well, uh, attacking that right side of the rising defense almost exclusively. Um, thankfully, Abdul Salam and Farrell were able to hold for those first 20 minutes, while Phoenix still found their feet in the game. The uh, the injury to Johnson really seemed to... Uh, slowed the game down a little, a little more. Um, and then you had Chris Cortez coming on for Johnson, had two great chances in the, I believe, the 23rd and 25th minute, uh, a couple of really open looks and he just mishit both times. And so you think it's going to be one of those games where we have opportunities and just can't find that goal.
1: I think uh, during our during our sort of July run, when we sort of had a little bit of a dry spell, we were lacking some creativity. And I think that creativity really started getting... Uh, um, we we found the creativity come back uh, with the play of Alessandro Rigi and uh, kind of brought some of the fun back. Uh, I'll, I'll give a shout-out to Awako, and I believe it was James Musa in the 52nd minute. Uh, we have a free kick opportunity, and Awako uh, has a very cheeky little chip over... Uh, over, over a four-man wall to Musa, who was making a run, had a, had a real heck of a go as uh, the goalkeeper, Sias, uh, was coming in and bounces that off of the, uh, uh, bounces it off the, the, the top crossbar. But that just really showed that that sort of creativity was back and that maybe Awako was more comfortable uh, in taking some of that, that creativity role that uh, Rigi, uh, Rigi had. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to uh, the the opening of the the proverbial floodgates as as the um, goals started to rain in um, literally I'm talking to one of the photographers on the side and I said we're in a trap game uh, I think I might have sent a, a Facebook message out to the guys and say hey th- this is really starting to make me feel really 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 weird and then everything changes with a Jordan Burt, red, straight red card on a sliding 60-40 challenge. I, I, maybe it was 50-50, maybe it was 60-40. I'm an accountant by trade, so the math doesn't quite work up for me, but uh, Burt is shown a straight red, changes the whole character of the game. Uh, Mark, I think you have some pretty strong feelings on this, so, so why don't you show, give it to us?
3: Yeah, I thought... Pretty immediately, it would it would be a red card. I was surprised the ref took a while uh, with the decision, but it, it's one of those. I agree that it it looked like a 50-50 ball, um, but Jordan Burt, uh, when he slid in, you know, besides catching uh, Rubin's cheek, uh, didn't get the ball, and so I think it's one of those calls where, regardless of intent, uh, it, it was violent conduct, and I think uh, the red was deserved. I don't think he'll get a suspension longer than a, the three games you get for a red card, but I, I think it's one of those calls you have to make for, for the safety of the game.
1: Kyle, what are your thoughts? Uh,
2: I, I agree with Mark. Um, I mean, I was in the supporter section, so seeing it live, you know, I didn't get a great look, but going back and looking at the replay, um, it I, I kind of see what you're saying, a 60-40. To me, it almost looks like Lubin's Lubin's showing that he's going down to collect the ball before Burt starts his slide in. And then when he does slide in, both studs are up. And, I mean, yeah, like Mark said, in the in the direction of another player's head, it's just, it's reckless play. So, I mean, and for the ref, up until that point, he had let so much go. I don't believe there had even been a yellow card till that point. So if he wasn't going to give a card for that, what was he going to? The only problem I have, is that it took him so long to issue the red card? For me, I don't see with that play. It's kind of clear what happens. Lubin is on the ground, has blood coming from his face. We all know how that how that occurred. It was clearly a cleat to the to the chin or to the cheek. So, for me, it should have been an immediate sending off. It shouldn't have taken the you know time that it, to take Lubin off the field. We seem like it looks like play is about to resume, and then the ref pulls out a red card, and we spend another four or five minutes sorting that out. So. For me, it it kind of took too long to get the decision, but I think it was the right call.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I would say, props to the ref a little bit for recognizing what was going on within the, uh, um, within the game. I mean, look, you're not trying to favor anybody here. Or there, uh, his referee's name was Serge, Sergei Sergey, Demanachuk. So I'll give him a little uh, a little shout out. Uh, he seems like he judged a pretty fair game even had a little bit of fair fun with uh, with some of the players on the field uh, after after a, a um after a rough call, but he kept his cards in the pocket. There was only one card the entire game. There was definitely a couple that could have been yellows. Colorado Springs was really adamant about a couple. Rising players were really adamant about a couple. Um, I even got a great photo of him, you know, kind of walking away, smiling and kind of laughing. Uh, I mean, he he seemed to, uh, to to play well. But in this particular case, I think he knew that there was an injured player. There was going to really need to be a little bit of time to make judgment whether or not uh, Lubin was going to be able to continue on and play, uh, Drogba steps in uh, in a little bit, almost like a coach style role, uh, to spend a little bit of time talking to him in order to uh, give a little bit more delay. That was actually recognized by uh, Coach Schantz in the the post game uh, that Drogba uh, Drogba, you know took a little time to distract him and the referee seemed to play along so that we could make sure that, that Lubin was safe um, and that Carl had enough time to go ahead and warm up. Uh, so now Colorado Springs playing with 10 players. Uh, it seems very, very shaken up. I think that they may feel, and, and Mark, I think you might have heard some of the back chat uh, guys, the, the Colorado Springs uh, coverage guys uh, may have messaged you on this or not, but they seem a little bit shaken up. Maybe they feel that it was an unfair red, or maybe they feel that there should have been some other yellows that were shown earlier. But they're definitely now shaken in uh, in the match. And just a, a couple minutes later, we see Gladson Owako, who's able to uh, commandeer the ball and open up scoring on the match. Kyle, take us through that a little bit.
2: I mean, it was just it was just a great opportunity by Awako staying alive on his run. Um, you know, staying alive near the goal, and it, it takes a bounce off the, uh, off the goalkeeper. And, you know, Waco's just there to collect it and put it in the back of the net. And, I mean, for him, you know, he, he was previously suspended for that red card, you know, hadn't played in three matches, got his first start in a while, hadn't scored at all this season. We know he had been, you know, providing assists and creating for, for teammates. But to be able to get a goal for himself, love to see it and i mean for for us as the fans it was so quick from the red card to that goal to have that instant you know foot in front and see okay yeah now we're up a man we're up a goal it doesn't seem like a trap game so much at that point and i think that you know going forward we saw that it definitely was not
3: yeah and it was a great play by uh shaft brewer jr uh just putting the ball in a dangerous place i i couldn't tell if it was a shot or a cross but uh just his ability to get down the right side with the ball into a dangerous area and then the walk-up walkouts be there right place right time uh to clean it up
1: and now if we're on to the the 74th minute uh where we now guys you'll have to correct me here because was that a so we have a 74th minute goal usl is is crediting this to uh to uh, oh yeah yeah this is the Pharrell goal. Joey Farrell, uh able to pick up um uh, another goal on the season off of a set play um puts a uh, what I believe I puts a head in the back of the net uh, a header in the back of the net um off of a um, Chris Cortez assist. Oh no 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 I'm sorry. Uh the ball fell at his feet. Sorry about that. Uh Mark take take us through what you saw with that goal.
3: Yeah just I mean it's- from the start, it looked like a basic uh, corner kick. Um, I, I was pretty surprised when the ball fell. Uh, Farrell and Cortez uh, were the ones that were there. There were no uh, switchback players around the ball and it was just a second uh, defensive miscue uh, in the match. And that, that's what I chatted with uh back chat uh, show about. Uh, when we talked for our preview of this match, they had mentioned the defensive miscues the team had had on the road. And, you know, I got message right after that goal. Uh, There's your defensive miscue of the match. And so um, it's great on Phoenix Rising and Pharrell to take advantage uh, and and get that second goal.
1: So um, ball falls. Joey jumps jumps over the boards, grabs a flag. Uh, heads the heads up and down the length of the supporter section that Kyle was uh, standing in. Uh, tell us how the, the the supporters enjoyed that, Kyle.
2: I mean, it was great. I mean, I I personally was I was wondering what is he doing at first, and then yeah, you see him get over the boards and grab a flag from Bandito's supporter and start running down the line. And I was actually right there in that front row on the rail, so I was, I had a great view of it. I mean, to see the excitement and just the smile on Farrell's face. I mean, I'm I think he was grinning from cheek to cheek the rest of the night because that I mean, just to be able to collect the goal like that and to get a goal in such a huge moment and then celebrate with the fans that I mean the supporters section had been, you know, anxious, but we were still loud the whole night, I I feel like they were you know, they were behind the team no matter what, even though it was a tight nil nil match up until that sixty fifth minute. So um to be able to see that second goal in the feral celebration, it was great.
1: Hey, what mom and dad are in the stands, you want to perform, and uh, he absolutely did, so that's fantastic. Uh, next up, bringing us to three nothing, uh, we have a, a another goal off of a set play. Uh, we have a free kick uh, by Gladson Waco off on the left hand side. Uh, he's able to find uh, Chris Cortez on the uh, on, at the back post. Cortez does what he does, gets high, puts a nice forehead on the ball, puts the ball in the back of the net, and the supporters, Kyle, once again get a chance to go crazy.
2: Oh, a- absolutely. And, I mean, for me, this ball by Iwako was just beautiful. I mean, a beautiful delivery and, you know, just inch perfect to Cortez's head. And Cortez, we all know, he had gotten those opportunities earlier on but didn't didn't put him in. But this one, I think – you know, when I saw it coming in, I was like, he has to put this on. And, you know, his his head, it's its a dime piece. It's been able to put in some great goals. And, you know, he was able to contribute another one. And I believe that takes him into the team lead for goals. Now, again, he's uh, you know, overtaken Asante. So, um, you know, great for him to keep scoring. And I hope he gets more. I hope they keep coming. Um, I think he really could, could set the new record for Phoenix Rising and goal scored in a season.
1: And that is 14, if I'm correct. Is that right? I believe correct. That's, that's yep. 14 by long tan.
3: Yeah. That seems so long ago, too. Yeah, yeah <laughs> back in the
2: AZ United days.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so uh, Cortez uh, uh, working his way, trying to set the club record, trying to get that golden boot. Um, the game is all but over here. Although uh, Colorado Springs keeps putting up a little bit of a fight. Uh, but you know they're they're pretty much diminished at that at this point uh, at 90 plus four in stoppage time uh, we have kevon freighter second consecutive game with a player scoring against his f- uh, former squad uh, looks so good we got a freed freight uh, what hashtag freighter or freed freighter I forget which um, and he uh, it, it puts kind of a nice dollop of whipped cream on the top of a 4 nothing ice cream sandwich here. Yeah, Tell us about yeah. that.
2: And, I, I mean, for me, I, I was so happy to see this happen because Frater, you know, he hasn't played as much as we all had hoped this season. And um, to see him now getting in and scoring is great, especially against his old team. But I really saw... You know, when Cortez came on for Jason Johnson and freighter shifted out wide, he didn't see as much time on the ball and definitely nowhere near as many opportunities on goal. So for him to be able to still pull a goal out of this match, I think that's huge. So um, for him just to be able to, you know, stay alive and still contribute, even though he's playing out of position, I think that speaks to his quality and just shows, you know, how deep this team is. And, um, I mean, I think it's just great to see. And for him to get the goal, that's, you know, great for him, and hopefully they keep coming.
1: Yeah, how about you, Mark?
3: Agreed. It it was uh, a great pass from Iwako, Just the that little chip over the back line, and you know, you know, you're wide open when you have enough time to look over your shoulder to see, make sure you're on side, as Raider did, and uh, he didn't make a mistake uh, with that much space and that much time. So great to see uh, him score. You know, it's always great when it's against your former team, but just. Um, you know that that's the confidence he needs. And uh, as we've seen with the injuries, you never know when your time is going to come. And so just to have these guys ready, uh, regardless of their uh, performance uh, earlier on the season, uh, it's great to see.
1: So we're heading into a ten-day break. It looks like we're really going to need that because we have um, we have Jason Johnson, who's out with a. Uh, um, a leg injury, strained uh, maybe a strained calf or a strained uh, thigh muscle. We have Sante, who there's nothing official that says he pulled a hamstring, but he did have some hamstring tightness that caused him to go out early for the San Antonio game. Uh, we have Zach Lubin who got ten in ten uh, stitches. Uh, Coach Chance did say, uh, "Quote: Our trainer said it's one of the worst he's ever seen. It's really deep." Uh, so, although he was walking around post-game, on still on the field, chatting with people, um, he definitely is going to be hurting a little bit, swelled up probably uh, uh, um, today. So, uh, tell us a little bit about some of your game takeaways for the, the Colorado Springs match, Kyle.
2: I mean, it's just great effort to stick around in the match, to not, not give up. I mean, like like we talked about it 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 was a trap game up until the red card and um i mean yeah we we i mean lubin was not fortunate but phoenix themselves were a bit fortunate to get that red card and to be up a man and then just to capitalize on that opportunity i think it even though this was such a young you know group of players on the field they showed their maturity and they saw their opportunities and they took every single one of them uh in that second half and i mean to finish the game strong like that i think it it just you know, it speaks great for this team, and I think it's, you know, yeah, we're going into a bit of a break, but I think they need to keep this energy they've had and, uh, you know, keep working hard in practice. It'll be nice to have some time, some days for these guys that are injured to get healthy again. Yeah, hopefully both Jason Johnson and Asate were just slight knocks and we'll have them back for this RGB match. Excellent.
3: Mark? Yeah, I would just echo what Kyle said about uh, just taking opportunities when you get them. It wasn't the best uh, first 60 minutes you've seen from Phoenix this year, but when, when they got the opportunity, uh, they made sure they took advantage of it and uh, didn't let up. So it's, it's good to see. Um, and it, it's always great to get uh, those goals. You know, we're getting to the point of the season now where goal difference in both scores going to make an impact uh, on, our, on our seating for the playoffs. And so it's not let up to get – Uh, That fourth goal, especially the pushes in the second place, uh, it's great for the rest of the year.
1: I'd say we're seeing a big difference on our back line defense um, uh, with the addition of Coach Peter Ramage as he returned back to uh, Phoenix Rising. I think ever since he arrived uh, that there's been a bit of an attitude change. Uh, I did mention last week that I felt that – after Coach Chance was was pulled up into the head coaching position, uh, they didn't f- they didn't fill the assistant or one of the assistant positions, and I think that that really hurt the team. I think having Ramage, a defensive minded assistant coach, come in uh, has really made a very very huge difference as we head into uh, as as we head into the playoffs. So. Now let's go ahead and head into Western Conference standings. We have just a, just a couple minutes left to wrap up. Uh, we have uh, in first position we have the Real Monarchs with fifty three points. Uh, if you asked, if you would have asked me a couple weeks ago, I said would have said that there's no way that anybody's catching up to him. But Phoenix Rising now in second place with fifty points. Uh, this win last night and an Orange County loss uh, puts us tied for points with Orange County. Uh, but now, with, a, with eight goals in two games, we have uh, moved ahead of them in goal differential. Right behind us, Orange County SC, 50 points. Sacramento Republic behind them at 46 points. So as it stands right now, your four, four home teams uh, for the playoffs are the Monarchs, Phoenix Rising, Orange County, and Sacramento Republic following up in the bottom half of the playoff picture is the portland timbers two at 42 points reno 1868 and uh, st louis in sixth and seventh position both with 38 points with reno ahead on goal differential and following that up the swoke park rangers with 37 points and a surprising negative seven goal differential so somehow they're picking up points without scoring a lot of goals um, and that rounds out the top half of the Western Conference standings. Following, uh, uh, sitting on the bubble, but but three point, uh, two points back of Sewell Park Rangers with 35 points is OKC Energy. One point behind them each is San Antonio and Fresno. And then the Colorado Springs switchbacks with 31 points. So the switchbacks, Fresno, San Antonio, and OKC Energy, all with an opportunity to potentially move into the playoff picture, uh, but it's going to be a, a really tough road for those teams. Pretty much out of the game entirely, but still a very entertaining to, team to watch is LA Galaxy 2 with 27 points. Uh, also with 27 is the Las Vegas Lights FC. Following, following uh, at 15th in the standings is Rio Grande Valley RGV then uh, Seattle Sounders FC2, and the Tulsa Roughnecks at the bottom of the standings. All those guys are playing for pride, they're playing for experience, they're playing for development, but they're not playing for anything else. And let's hope that RGV has just accepted their reality as Phoenix Rising is going to be uh, heading... Are, are we hosting or are we heading out? Hosting. I mean, hosting. We are hosting RGV for the, for the, uh, uh, the match in about, just about 10 days. Kyle, tell us a little bit about what your thoughts are for that upcoming match.
2: Um, expect a tight match. If
1: history you know, is any
2: guide by this, um, I mean, we've played RGV four times since they've came into the USL, and there's been one win for Phoenix and three draws shared. The one win has come at home, so that's good news, but uh, that was last year, and I... It, was, it took a Jason Johnson goal and then a Cal Brown own goal. So um, it's going to be a tight match. I mean, it, the last result we had against this team was on June 23rd, and it was a stalemate, a nil-nil draw game. I think most people kind of wanted to forget down in, the, in the South Texas. Um, they will be a tough team, but I think, again, if Phoenix can get off to a fast, solid start like we've been talking about, get a goal in those first 20 minutes – Um, I think this is an opponent we really can pick apart. Like you said, they're really not playing for much anymore. So if we're able to take the wind out of their sails early on, um, I think that we have a great opportunity. I believe this is going to be a Wednesday night match, which means it should be a dollar beer night. And we all know that dollar beer night seems to uh, bring about good fortune for us. So I think we can expect good things, but still, um, I mean, they will be a tough opponent.
3: Mark, oh for, for sure I agree with you, Kyle. And uh, Rio Grande Valley did uh, upset Orange County last night, two zero in Orange County. And so even if uh, they're not in a position to make the playoffs, they uh, they do have the title spoiler uh, for the rest of the season. And so it'll, it'll be a tough match. I don't think uh, I I still expect a win. Um, Rio Grande Valley plays pretty tough at home, but their away record is not quite up to par, and so I still uh, expect a Phoenix rising win, but it, it will be a tough match.
1: We're going to be coming in off of a rest on a Wednesday game. Last time we had a rest, uh, Coach Chance was very displeased with uh, with our effort. Um, I want to give you a, <clears throat> a, little, a couple of his comments. Uh, Last time we had a long layoff, he gave the players uh, a couple days off. This time he said, quote, I made a mistake when we had a two-week rest and I gave them five or six days off and things didn't go well for about three weeks. He said they'll have an opportunity to enjoy this week for a night or two, but then they're back to work. We're going to come out better and even faster against RGV. So going to be looking forward to that game at home on September 5th against Rio Grande Valley. It's going to be another Wednesday match. Um, I'm trying to see if it is a indeed a dollar beer night, but if it is, you know that they'll, there will be some magic that, that's going to happen. So that is it for the Rising is One podcast. I wanted to thank uh, my uh, co-host, Kyle Mackey, uh, Mark Murray, and... Uh, for Dominic Kearns, I am Aaron Blau with the Rising is One podcast. Thanks. We'll see you September 5th against uh, RGV. Rising is One. Thanks, guys.
0: Hey, this is Dominic here. It's actually Monday, so well after both those matches ended. And uh, I had clips ready to go yesterday, but we couldn't get the recording out yesterday, so figured I should just give my thoughts now. Maybe a little bit better than before. Um, what an incredible week this was. Two 4-0 wins, two very different 4-0 wins. What does this show me? This shows me that we are the best team in the Western Conference right now and potentially the team to beat in USL. And why do I say that? It's because these loan signings, especially our two loan signings at the back, Tristan Blackman and Abdul Salam, are making an incredible, incredible difference. I want to highlight Blackman at center back. The way that he runs, the way that he presses the ball, prevents attackers from getting those clean windows to shoot. It blew my mind seeing that time and time again in that San Antonio match on Wednesday. There were three or four times where a guy was looking to shoot and relentlessly Blackman chased them down, forced them to pass the ball back, forced them to try and cycle things elsewhere and the attack broke down. Blackman's efforts make a world of difference, and we haven't had someone with that kind of height and speed all season back there. Now, Saad Abdul Salam should be commended too. Three matches he started, three shutouts. He brings something going forward, but he really brings strength at that right back position, along with a ton of experience. His combination of MLS experience, um, more maturity than a lot of guys. He's 27, so he's been around the block. I think that helps us so much, and is going to make a huge difference in those big playoff matches. And if these guys stay healthy, if they stay on our roster, if they don't get called back by their MLS clubs, I think it's going to be our our Western Conference to lose. Because they have solidified things so much in the back, because we have Dia at left back, who's very solid. And we can always rotate another center back in there, because Blackman is so stable. I just think that defense is going to stop everyone now. If Blackman chases like that, no team is going to be able to score more than one goal on us. And then with our attack, in the form that it's in, with different guys stepping up, you know, even unexpected guys like Farrell coming forward for a goal. With Vega, with Billy Forbes, everyone coming through, Gladson Owako, With everyone getting these goals and Cortez in both matches, it's just a well-oiled machine right now. Then you throw in the goalkeeping, and you talk about Zach Lubin, who hadn't gotten a lot of starts for quite some time this season. He comes in for these last three, three shutouts, and we don't know what his health is going to be like with that injury he suffered in Saturday's match, but he has been immense too. And as long as he's relatively healthy by the end of the season, that gives us two absolute quality goalkeepers who I feel very confident in. Even if one of them goes down, you know that either Lubin or Carl is going to come through when it matters. So, you know, they're showing me something that they have not shown all season. They are looking like an all-around well-oiled machine, and I I don't want to read too much into this because I know that our last three wins are against teams that are not in the top eight right now, but this team is really starting to click into gear, and regardless of whether Drogba makes a difference, he... You know, whether he's there or not, I think we're the team to beat. And as good as the offense has been, as good as the attack has been, I think it's really the defense that has taken us to this next level. Even in June when we had those shutouts, you know, a lot of times it was Carl Wazinski coming up with big saves. A lot of times it was more of the grinding out 1-0 type wins. But these matches, we were able to pass the ball well to create chances, move forward, and still defend well. We were able to do both. So that is what sets this apart to me this is the best that I've ever seen Phoenix Rising look and that includes the end of last season when we were on incredible form 11 matches unbeaten so if this is if this is how things are going to be moving forward you know the sky's the limit we should definitely get top two you know top one is within reach we're only three points back right now Um, and I know Monarchs won't want to play us if we're in this form they got lucky when they played us you know Time of the season. So, really, what an encouraging time to be a Rising fan. Great news on the pitch. It seems like things are clicking into form at the right time. So exciting. And, uh, you know, kudos to Mark Marie for filling in this week as I had to move. Uh, That was kind of a difficult thing. But life happens. You got to put your priorities in order, and, uh, you know, moving does come first. So, I was able to do that, but I was able to watch both those games, big wins, and just enjoy this. Soak these moments in because you never know how long we're going to have these kinds of opportunities. You never know what's going to happen at the end of this season, especially if Drogba's career ends, especially if other guys move to different locations, if we get MLS and we're playing in MLS soon, we might struggle to get these kinds of runs of form. So enjoy these moments, cherish these moments, cherish these 4-0 wins at home against San Antonio. We've never seen anything like that. We have never had, in this franchise's history, back-to-back dominating 4-0 wins. And okay, maybe the second one wasn't as dominating for most of that match, but I think it's just as impressive because even in a match like that, where we kind of have a bit of an off night, maybe a B, B B-minus performance, we're still able to thrash the opposition. Same goes for the Vegas match, 2-0 last week, where we didn't have to exert too much, where maybe we weren't the sharpest and we still easily, comfortably rolled to win. It's so cool to see. One last shout-out to the supporters groups, both supporters groups, Banditos and Red Fury, for standing against uh, Lazio's stance to have male-only supporter sections. It's ridiculous that that's even a conversation in the year 2018. Um, But good on them for public statements against that and for organizing that photo before the match. Um, You know, both supporters groups bring so much to the table, not just with chanting but so much more. This is a great example. So I think that's all I got for now. Um, Exciting times. And really, the sky's the limit with this team. Go Rising. like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.